0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. Today, I am so excited to welcome back Dr. Becky Kennedy to the show. Dr. Becky is a clinical psychologist, a mom of three, and named the Millennial Parenting Whisperer by Time magazine. She has a loyal and highly engaged community of over 1 million followers, has launched a top rated podcast is working on her new book, and chances are, if you're on Instagram, you've come across some of her content. Dr. Becky previously joined us in episode number 41, helping us unpack our child's triggering behavior and how to manage it. And today she is here to discuss all the worries and fears and anxiety that comes up when we think about sending our child to school. I opened a question box in my stories asking you what it is you worry about the most when sending your child to school, And I received thousands of responses. While the responses were many, there were actually some themes that emerged from what you were submitting. Things like bullies or outside influences, not being able to see and know what goes on there, overall safety and well-being, the separation anxiety either from the parent or the child and how you're going to navigate this new season. And for many of those who live in the States, There was a real fear and anxiety and worry about gun violence in schools. We have been through so much in the last few years, a global pandemic and so many racial and social conversations being brought to the forefront that it makes sense if you are anxious or worried about this transition. Today, Dr. Becky and I are going to talk about what anxiety really is so you can pinpoint it and identify it. We're going to discuss how to determine whether this is our child's fear and worry about this transition, or whether it's actually our anxiety and worry that we're seeing through their eyes. We discuss how to regulate our own anxiety and be a steady presence for our child during this time, and also how to help our little ones manage their fears and worries going into this big milestone. This episode is part two of a three-part back-to-school series Part one, we talked kindergarten readiness with Susie, a busy toddler. Today, we're talking anxiety with Dr. Becky Kennedy. And next week, we're talking about practically navigating this transition with the Jess of Our Mama Village. We're going to make sure you are well supported through this big milestone in transition. Now let's hear my conversation with Dr. Becky Kennedy. Up to 20% of new moms experience postpartum depression or anxiety. Weepiness, irritability, sadness, or constant worry. These things can make it hard to take care of yourself and your baby. Too often, we think that we just have to deal with it or that it will go away on its own. And sometimes we're so busy and overwhelmed that the idea of going to see a therapist is even more stressful. That's one of the reasons I started the Happy as a Mother Wellness Center, to make maternal mental health care easier and more accessible for new moms. Teletherapy brings you the value of mental health care at your convenience. You can access private virtual therapy sessions with experienced mental health care providers from anywhere with internet access. We have a growing team of maternal mental health professionals across Canada ready to help you. With just a few clicks, you can find a mom therapist in your area and book a free 15 minute consultation to get started. Postpartum life can be hard. But mental health care doesn't have to be difficult to access. To learn more about the Happy as a Mother Wellness Center and our mom therapists, visit happyasamother.co slash wellness. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we're dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. We all had expectations going into motherhood, but reality often has a different plan. Let's work together in shattering unrealistic expectations, letting go of shame and guilt, and accepting where we are on our motherhood journey. We'll pack a toolbox for motherhood with expert advice, practical tips, relatable stories, real moments, and honest conversations. My goal is to give you the knowledge, tools, and resources you need to parent more freely. However, this podcast should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. It's time to do motherhood differently, toss out the idea of perfect, and enjoy the journey. Let's dive in. Dr. Becky, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I'm so excited to have you back on the show, have you here with us. I'm so excited to be here. You were here for episode 41, dealing with your child's triggering behavior. That is going back, I don't even know, we're at like 140 episodes now. Mm -hmm. So that's going back a ways. And since then, your page has blown up. You've had enormous success. You've got a lot going on. So I'm super excited to have you a part of our back to school series to address like anxieties and back to school and all the things. Well, those topics are so important and
1: I know the two of us will have so much to say. So yeah, let's jump in.
0: Yeah, I find that you set up anxiety and our understanding of it in just like a really unique way. So when we're talking like worry and anxiety, whether it's worry from the parent's perspective or from the child's perspective, in terms of our coping and ability to navigate a situation, how do you define that?
1: So yeah, I think about anxiety as an equation. I think it's really the same for adults and kids, like most things. Actually, you know, if our kid's struggling with something, it's probably you know similar to things we struggle with, and we can define it in a similar way. So the way I think about anxiety is uncertainty in the future plus our underestimation of our ability to cope. So whenever we're anxious about something or worried, there's always uncertainty, right? When we have a problem, we cope with a problem. Mm. We don't, you know, worry about a problem because the problem is right in front of us and our bodies are actually set up to respond, but when we have uncertainty, our body likes to do, you know, the things it likes to do, which is figure out, you know, the next step. But you can't because there's uncertainty. Mm. So that's the uncertainty part. So if we're thinking about back to school, it might be even a parent who's thinking, oh, what if my kid cries? Or what if my kid isn't in class with the friends they like? Or what if that teacher doesn't understand my kid? Or And even just saying to yourself, oh, that's the uncertainty part. High uncertainty. And then the other part of the equation, and this is like where the money is, I think, is our underestimation of our ability to cope. And every single person here listening, like I know something about you. I do. I know it. And it's you have been through hard things before Mm -hmm. and you have gotten through those hard things. I literally know that's true because you're alive. Like it just has to be true. And yet we do this thing to ourselves in the future where we think about something uncertain. Oh, is my kid going to be the only one who cries at drop-off? Okay. And then we forget like, oh, hey, I'm um, Erica. Like I've done tricky things myself. I've gotten through tricky moments with my kids. Even if that thing happens, it might not. But even if it does, it might not be pretty. It might not be fun. It probably will be exhausting and inconvenient. And I am a person who has coped and can cope. And the thing with anxiety that's so interesting is when we're anxious, if you think back to that equation, uncertainty plus our underestimation of our coping ability, we try to solve anxiety usually from like the wrong side, just meaning it's ineffective. We try to solve the uncertainty. Hmm. We read that, you know, article after article after article to the point where, you know, we're not really learning anything more. We're just ruminating. Or we ask a million questions past the point that's useful, right? Right. And we can't solve the uncertainty part. In fact, we're anxious precisely because there's uncertainty because the problem's not in front of us, right? Mm -hmm. And so the trick with anxiety really is some version of always asking yourself, Like, let me remind myself of my coping ability. Can I remind myself that I'm really, I'm a person who can do hard things, right? Mm -hmm. And that immediately calms things down a little bit. And I think the same thing we can do with our kids is we cannot always answer every one of their questions. So I believe we should prepare kids for change, right? You wanna talk to them about that new classroom. You wanna talk about their teacher's names. You wanna do a lot of things to prepare. I'm a big fan of preparation and there's some things we don't know. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly where you're going to sit the first day of school, things like that. But what we can do for our kids after we've prepared them is hold the coping side for them. Hey, you know what? I know you're a kid who's done tricky things before. You're a kid who wasn't so sure about going to soccer class. And then, yeah, it was hard, but then you did it. You know, we don't look to do things perfectly in this family. We look to get through them and talk about them and be there. And I know that's what's going to happen. And we really manage anxiety by building our coping skills and reminding ourselves of them
0: not trying to
1: answer every single last question we have.
0: Mhm. It makes me think about this poll box that I opened up and asked moms and parents how they're feeling about school and the anxieties that they're having and the worries that they're having. And so many things, big big things came in, right? Like we've got like the gun violence in the US. We've got outside influences or like abuse and safety and bullies. And there was just so many things Mm -hmm. that came in from parents, real fears. And so when we're trying to set our child up for success in school and for them to trust in their own coping and ability, but we are like filled to the brim with anxiety about sending them There is a relationship here, isn't there, between our anxiety as a parent and our ability to empower our children with their own coping and anxiety. That's right, right? So
1: we really are the leaders of our family, right? And I think a word that always comes to mind for me is like a pilot. Like we're the pilot of our family plane. So right now, if everyone thinks about, you know, sitting on a plane on the runway, right, where you're not the pilot, you're a passenger, and think about, you know, looking at some windy, stormy weather. And you're thinking, oh, this is, like, probably going to be a bumpy flight. Right? Now, picture your pilot coming on the loudspeaker and saying, I don't know. I don't know, people. <laughs> you know, like, right? I don't like- know you. Know, I'm like, I, I really got to get off this plane. <laughs> like, I'm, you know, yeah. I-, yeah. I am no longer scared of the weather. I am scared that this person is my pilot. Like, that's really the thing. Okay. Mm. Now – It also would be weird if the pilot came on and said, it is a beautiful, sunny day out there and we are going to have the perfect flight. Let's get going. I also, as a passenger, would be like, do you have no idea like what's happening there? I also might want to get off the flight because I like wouldn't trust this person.
0: Right, right.
1: But what I would want is a pilot who said, you know, it's a little stormy out there. My job is assessing for safety. I've deemed it safe to fly. I know a thing about safety. It will be bumpy at times, and I know I'm gonna be able to get you there safely. Like, Mm -hmm. I would be like, we're good, let's go, let's take off, time to do this. And Mm. that's the pilot our kids need from us when there's bumps in their road. So, what would that look like with school? Well, first of all, like you're saying, Erica, if a parent knows they're on the anxious side, number one, you're still a great parent, still rocking this parenting thing. I always think as an adult, It's just about, like, I got to know myself at this point. Like, if I am very anxious, I just got to, you know, know myself. I got to name that. If I am the mom who's always, you know, worried about the worst thing that can happen, okay. Like, that's okay. And I probably want to work on that for my own sake anyway, just because it's not the most enjoyable way to live day to day. But knowing that helps inform how to interact with my kids because I can almost have a little laughter at my own baseline. Like, yeah, I am worried that this horrible thing's going to happen at school, but I know myself that tends to be the way I think. So I think step one is just we have to know ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's hard to know ourselves because we think the things we struggle with mean we're not fit for parenting, like not at all. Knowing the things you struggle with puts you so ahead of the game in parenting because every one of us struggles with many, many things. Mm -hmm. It's just about knowing. So number one, know your baseline. And then I would think if I am A person who predicts worst-case scenarios, who can really get caught up in what could happen in a negative way, you know, then I might want to work on that, whether it's therapy, whether it's workshops, whether it's joining a community, right? I want to work on that not only to, quote, not pass it on to my kid. People say that. I always think to a mom, you should just work on that for you. Like, yeah, your kid's going to benefit, but you don't need to live that way. Forget your kid. So that's step one. Step two is to really think about that pilot you'd want. And to me, the essence is we want to see someone else's emotional experience, but we don't want someone else's emotional experience to be contagious. Because if my anxiety on a plane as a passenger became contagious in the cockpit, I don't think anyone would be having such a good time on that plane. Mm. But again, if the pilot didn't even understand that people were nervous, you'd also not feel so great because... You'd feel like, oh, am I crazy or does this pilot not even understand what I'm going through? So you want to see someone else's experience without being taken over by it. That's the essence of a boundary. I see you're nervous. I have hope. I see what you're nervous about. I've had more experience and I know there's going to be a safe ending. You don't have to tell your kids everything's going to be great, just like you actually don't want a pilot to tell you it's going to be a smooth flight if it's not. Right. You can name the bumps and – be that safe container. So what might that look like? Because I know probably a lot of listeners are like, can you just stop the metaphor of a plane that's like, give me the stuff for the school, (laughs) right? So it's probably some version of, hey, you're starting school, you know, in five days, whatever it is. You know what I'm thinking about? New things can feel a little tricky. Every time I do something new, it feels a little tricky. So we're going to talk about some of those parts and here's something else I know. I know you're going to end up loving school. Maybe not right away. Maybe right away. And I also know the things that feel a little tricky, I'll be here to talk to you about them. And that's how we get through things in our family, not by making things go away, by getting through them together and talking about them. And that's exactly what we're going to do. It's validating, but also, like if someone said that to me, I i actually, I feel like competent and confident. Mm. And that comes from having a boundary while also having validation and preparation.
0: Mm-hmm. It reminds me of one of your core principles in your Up and Coming book, which we will talk Mm -hmm. about in a later episode. But this whole idea of it's not our job and responsibility as parents to alleviate every hurdle or challenging situation from our children, but to equip them to withstand the discomfort and navigate an adjustment like daycare or school or otherwise. Yes. Yes. And
1: I hope as parents together and all your, so many listeners, like we can all take a deep breath in that together. Like there's something very relieving for me and my own kids. Like, oh, okay. Like, and the way I always think about it is we want to prepare our kids, not protect them because mm-hmm. you know what? Our kids are going to be living, hopefully, right, out of our homes for many, many, many more years than they live in our homes, right? That, that's what I would say mm-hmm. with my kids, right? So... Mm-hmm. If I think about all the years, let's say 18 and up, one of the things I know from year 18 and up is you still have frustration, you still have jealousy, you have insecurity, you have anger, you have sadness, you have separation worries, you have hesitation. Like whatever feelings you have as a kid, you definitely have them as adults. And arguably, like the stakes are higher, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so either we parent our kids in a way where when they get to age 18 and age 38 and age, I don't know, you know, 72, they have more skills to manage their feelings than they did when they were two, or they like kind of have the same skills. And I, I'm sure in practice, Erica, you and I, we've worked with adults. So that's not what they come to us saying, but w- that happens all the time in adults. You're like, wow, you yeah. really develop mentally from an emotion regulation standpoint are not at such a different place then maybe my own toddler. That's not because you're a horrible person and it's not because your parents are horrible people. Everyone's always doing the best they can. It's actually just because you didn't absorb the skills you need for life. So we're going to do it now. Okay, it's never mm-hmm. too late. And like it's like kind of the ultimate gift to give to your kid to get them like a leg up in that process. Right. Plus like we'll save a lot of money in (laughs) therapy bills. Right. It's like everyone Mm. wins. Right. Mm -hmm. And that I think is so empowering. Like, yeah, my kid is going to have an interaction with another kid where they say something mean that is going to happen. I don't have to protect my kid from that. I need to prepare them. Right. Or Mm. I need to know that they have a secure base to come to after that happens, because I know if my kid one day goes to college, they're going to have a tough peer interaction. The best thing I can hope for is my child knows that they can call me and we can talk through it or call a friend, right? That's what we're building our kids for. So I think we can all take a deep breath. We don't have to avoid the bumps. Life is a bumpy road. We don't Mm want to smooth it out and then leave our kids with false expectations for their adulthood. We want to Mm -hmm. navigate that bumpy road with them.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that this Desire to avoid and make it smooth comes from a wanting to be able to control our anxiety, right? Like we know we either want to avoid when we're anxious or we want to move towards a control and seek reassurance and all of those things. And so that desire to really pull away from or to avoid or to lessen for our child is sort of a way that we try to regulate our own anxiety, isn't it? Like to control the, the bumps our child faces helps to alleviate our own distress And so us being able to sit with the situation to breathe our way through it, tolerate it so that we can help them navigate it. I've got an interesting situation. Actually, it played out just earlier this week where my kids are at summer camp and a situation, I don't know how there was like a piece of technology that didn't have parental controls on it. One of the older kids in the camp exposed one of my children to something that was scary And they never wanted to go back. And there was a lot of anxiety. And it became this whole situation really quickly. And in my anxiety, you know, or in my knee-jerk reaction to want to protect my child, the first thing I'm thinking is I'm pulling my kid from this camp, (laughs) you know, like that's like the first place that we want to go to. And then once we really process it, it's like, no, it's such an important life lesson and skill for us to navigate this through as a family so that my children know that, one, I believe their words Mm. when they say that they're upset or they're scared. And two, that when we're upset and we're scared, we can still push through and re-enter a situation and work it through and can cope through it and see some resolution at the other end. And it took a few days and there were some sleepless nights because of the fear of this video or whatever. And we're at the other side and they're back to the same summer camp, loving and enjoying it versus me like reassuring that avoidance if I had just pulled them out. And I'm essentially giving them the message that they can't cope in that environment either. Does that make sense? Like complete sense. Uh, Yeah. And
1: I remember, Erica, I really, I wonder if you remember this on the first time, you know, we had a conversation on your pod. Like, I think we talked about this exact idea, this idea that We think we're responding to our kids' feelings. We think we're helping them, right? And of course, that's always our intention, right? But what happens is we see our kids upset in their body, right? They get upset. Oh, this kid was mean to me. Or, oh, this hard thing happened at school. Okay, that happened. Then it evokes a circuit in our body, kind of like, what does my body know about this type of feeling? And if that type of feeling, feeling left out, feeling sad, is something we have a hard time tolerating. We look to shut down in our kids only because we're actually kind of like looking to stop the circuit in ourselves. And so in that way, like they become a pawn in our own emotion regulation game. I'm going to shut that off in Mm -hmm. you because I just want to shut it off in me. But then there's like this legacy of affect intolerance that we pass on Mm -hmm. unintentionally. And I mean, like, I can talk a good game, okay? Like everyone here, like I did this too, okay? Like we all do this. It's not like any of us, (laughs) me and Erica do this (laughs) with our own kids, right? It's just the opportunity, really. Like the opportunity we have to pause and say, oh, wow, like is that true? Let me think about that. Yeah, what is it like for me to hear my child so upset because no one saved them a seat at the lunch table, which is (laughs) legitimately a very big deal when you're eight years old or whatever. Okay, so that happened. Okay, yes, I see that she's very sad. And let me really think, I always think, let me parent for the long run, right? Do I think she's going to be left out one day as an adult? Do I think she's going to be sad about a peer interaction? I mean, we know as adults, sometimes we get upset. We're not invited to lunch, right? Like that still happens. Mm. What do mm-hmm. I want for her when she's 35 and she hears a group of women had lunch and she wasn't invited, right? Do I want that to feel as awful as it does now? Mm. Or do I want it to feel a little bit more manageable only because she basically has this self-talk, huh? This is a horrible feeling and I've gotten through it before, right? The only reason she'll have that self-talk at 35 is because she's absorbed the way you as her parent, right, or other caregivers have responded to her distress, right? The way we react to our kids' feelings become the way they react to their own feelings. And if we seek to shut down right away or avoid, even if it comes, of course, as it always does, from the most positive intent, what we really say is your body should not tolerate that for more than a second shut it off, shut it off, mm. shut it off. And shutting off feelings over time is a really hard cost. It takes all of our energy versus learning to manage feelings, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of a, it's a really, really big difference. So yes, step one again. And how about you? Probably the same thing. Like I always think people in my practice are like, can you one time just tell me it's my kid's fault? Can you just tell me (laughs) I don't have to change anything? And I'm like, right. right? And like, just change my kid, you know? But the truth is, I always think it's a very disempowering idea that like to change our life, we have to change someone else. Like people, Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's ever a parent's fault. I just think, wow, I have an opportunity to do something myself. And then the whole system can change around me. Like I'm a very powerful person when I think about it that way. So that's the framework I consider.
0: Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or vegan and veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on the go lunch, snacks and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MomWell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MomWell. ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. I think it's such an essential piece because we need to parse apart first, what are our feelings and what are our child's feelings? So we're taking this back to school example, right? I was actually sitting on a bench at the park the other day with a mom and she was talking about how her son is a little bit introverted and a little bit passive. And so she sometimes feels the need to like police his interactions with other kids because they'll get like a little rough and tumble and she'll want to step in and be like, you can't touch him or play with him that way. And I was like, did he react? Like, did he seem uncomfortable in this situation? Or, you know, in that moment, that was her discomfort. So I think mm. when we're framing this back to school situation and we pause for a moment and there's anxieties and there's high tensions, I think one of the first steps is to become curious and parse out, okay, are these my feelings or my child's feelings? Yes. And then we can kind of flow chart, you know, map our way forward based on whose feelings we're dealing with here, right? Yeah. And the self-talk,
1: like a mantra I always think about with my kids, and it's almost always useful. I'm safe. I don't have to do anything right now. Mm. Now, like, obviously, if my kid is, like, in imminent danger I, or your kid listening, like, I don't suggest that mantra. If your kid's about to run to the street, like, it, like yeah, go go grab your child, right?
0: But hearing right, right.
1: about something hard that happened in school, it's often not an emergency. And actually, when mm. we ring the alarm bells... Well, you should never sit next to that kid again. Well, I'm going to call your teacher. You know, all our kid really stores in their body is something hard happened, alarm bell. Something hard happened, alarm bell. And if we think about like what the experience of panic is in someone, right, even in a situation where there's not actually such an imminent threat, like it's kind of the experience of an alarm bell next to discomfort, right? Not to say discomfort's Mm -hmm. easy. It's not at all. I don't have a good time with discomfort at all. But there's a difference between discomfort and an alarm. And so reminding ourselves, I don't have to do anything right now. Mm. I really don't have to do anything right now. I think is, again, it's actually like relieving, (laughs) right? And then Mm -hmm. usually when we sleep on something, right? It's the hardest thing even in my own life. I'm like, I'm going to sleep on it. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just going to write that email to that person, you know? (laughs) And then we just like vomit out our feelings and it, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. But usually we don't feel good about it the next day. I don't at least. But it was like, this is not an emergency, Becky. Like I'm safe. This is not an emergency. My kid is safe. I don't have to do anything right now. Like I'm a good parent Mm -hmm. who doesn't have to do anything right now. I almost feel like my vision widens. You know, I'm not so like zeroed in. And like, that's
0: usually a good thing in decision-making. Well, that's exactly what happens when our nervous system is activated and the alarm is triggered. All of the hormones that are released in our body cause us to tunnel vision. That's exactly what happens in our biology, right? So to sleep on it, to buy some space to step back allows for that perspective to open up a little bit. And gives us other perspectives and frames of reference to be able to see the situation. Yes. So, okay. So let's say I am regulating my anxiety. I realized, okay, some of these anxieties are mine. Like maybe, I don't know, one of the things that came in, and broke my heart. Like one of the moms were like, oh, like I'm buying like a bulletproof backpack for my child. And like, there's all these things, big, big anxieties. Right. And I'm like, okay, those are mine. I'm going to hold mm. those. I'm going to figure out a way that I can deal with those. My child is, you know blissfully unaware of these things. And then I'm seeing now something in my child. So now my child is talking about, and it's coming out in a lot of question asking maybe, or a lot of delaying of bed or a lot of just nervousness around school. And I'm clearly identifying now that it's my child's anxiety. What is the way forward for a parent to help in that transition to school? We've identified it's our child and what do we help to bolster their confidence in themselves? Yeah. So a couple of about like, anxiety. So your kid's saying, um, by what color of my chair? And
1: do you think they have blocks? Do you think they have, you know, do you think they have square blocks? They have the same square blocks as here. And what if they don't, right? And they're just going, going, going. So
0: exactly. Okay.
1: So here's something, there's no exact science to this, but I think it's like a useful thing to differentiate. Like when is my child asking a question, like really seeking information that's going to be useful. And when is their question, not really a question, it just happens mm. to be asked with a question mark and the question inflection. But if I'm really a detective, I feel like there's more of a feeling, right? Like think about the time, let's go back to that situation where you're like, I think my friend had a whole lunch and didn't invite me. And you're like, oh, what'd you do yesterday? Oh, well, where were you at like 1230? Like we're not asking a question. We're really (laughs) saying, I feel bad you didn't invite me, you know? Like, and you kind of know when someone's approaching you that way. So empower your kid with information. You want to talk to your kid. Hey, your teacher is, you know, Mr. Smith and I love talking about teachers before school it's like one of my best tips like a week before oh I wonder if Mr. Smith plays soccer like you do. Oh uh, Mr. Smith is going to love hearing that you now, you know, I don't know, like scrambled eggs with cheese in it. I don't whatever it is. Like you just incorporate Mr. Smith into your home, right? So he's more mm-hmm. familiar instead of like a stranger, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're we're prepping, we're maybe showing pictures of the school. We're prepping a separation. Okay. And then my kid's saying, "Hey, tomorrow's my first day of school. Okay. Um, Is drop-off inside or outside? Oh, it's outside the school this year. Who's going to be there? That's a great question. It's Mr. Smith. And then like there's a point as a parent. And I think we know it because like we
0: kind of get a little annoyed at all the questions. Right. It becomes a little like suffocating where you're like, please. just Exactly.
1: Yeah. You know that moment. And I think one of the most important tools to develop as a adult is recognizing when people's questions aren't questions, when Mm. they're often fierce. I mean, sometimes from in-laws, their criticism, like, oh, do you really think that's the right way to, and you're like, that is not a question. You know, like, no, 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 I'm not falling down that trap. That is a criticism. That is a criticism, just happens to have a question mark, but I see through that, you know, and then Mm. knowing that actually dictates how you respond. You don't want to ever answer someone's question. That's not a question because you're playing into whatever they're doing, whether it's criticism or anxiety. So notice, it. and this is what I would say to your kid, You know, I want to say something to you. It's a little tricky, but you're a kid who can understand tricky things. So I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm not answering any more questions because I don't think they're really questions. I think there's something very real. I think you're saying you're, you're nervous because there's actually a lot of things you don't know about tomorrow. There's a lot Mm. of things you don't know. And then this is one of my favorite things to say to my kids with anything around anxiety. Honestly, it's what I say to myself. It's what I say now running my company in a moment of tension or uncertainty, I want to go over a few things. I want to tell you the things we know and the things we don't know. And just I'll I'll give an example. Telling someone explicitly the things you don't know is completely different than leaving them as unknown. When you name the things you don't know, you've classified them. It's Mm. It's a very strong position. So for example, I want to tell you what I know and don't know. Here's what we know. Tomorrow's your first day of kindergarten. You're going to be in class with Mr. Smith. I'm going to drive you to school. I'm going to get out of the car. We're going to do that whole hug, kiss, see you later alligator routine. We've practiced a million times. And then I'm going to say goodbye. The other things we know is you have 20 kids in your class, whatever it is, right? We know that there are blocks because, you know, Mr. Smith sent a picture of the classroom and it had blocks. And we know at some point you'll have recess and lunch. And I know I'm going to come back to get you at the end of the day. Now I want to tell you some of the things we don't know. We don't know what you're going to start with. We don't know exactly what kind of blocks you're going to have. We don't know if they have assigned seats at lunch or – and maybe these are some of the things they've asked. We don't know any of those things. And here's something else. We know that we have a lot of questions when we start something new. And we know that part of starting something new is not knowing everything. And we're a family full of people who can get through these times because we support each other. Like, you can hear in my cadence it's really the same as the pilot. Like you want them to say, here's what we don't know. We don't know how delayed we're going to be. We know we're delayed. We're going through some turbulence. We don't know when I'm going to be able to say, take your seatbelts off. It's safe again. What I do know is we are still going to land and we're going to be okay. And we're going to get through this together. Like saying, I don't know when I'm going to turn off the seatbelt sign is very different than never hearing from your pilot. You're like, okay, Mm -hmm. the pilot's on top of it, right? Mm-hmm. And that is a really good strategy. I'm not going to answer any more questions because I think you're telling me there's just things we don't know. So let's review all the things we don't know. I'm just going to name some of them. And let me remind you, even when we don't know things, you're a kid who can get through hard things. I know that about you. I know we'll get through it together. And what I'm really doing, and what I think is a key part for any time your kid is anxious, again, if anxiety in part is underestimating our coping abilities, We have to see our kid as capable before they can see themselves as capable. We have to see our kids as capable before they can. That doesn't mean we're seeing our kids as not having bumps in the road. Being capable is getting through the bumps. And letting your kid know, yes, part of this can feel tricky and I know you're going to get through it and part of how I know that is because I'm going to be here when those times are tough is so helpful. It's the opposite of what actually increases anxiety that we think decreases it. What are you talking about? That's not going to be hard. You've done that before. Quote, reassurance is often actually very invalidating. And that actually decreases a kid's anxiety because what you're really doing when you're answering a million questions that aren't useful is you're kind of saying, hey, I think you have to have every single piece of information and know every single thing to cope. We don't want to send our kids that message. We want to send them the opposite message. We don't want to, as you said, control their environment we want to let them know we're there for them and they'll get through the environment.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's a huge, huge difference. And it takes that uncertainty that is such a trigger and limits it down to like this finite few things, right? Yes. Instead of like free floating in space of all this uncertainty, it's like actually we know a lot of the things and the uncertainty is now confined to this little box of things we don't know. But look at all the things you do know and we can cope with this little box of uncertainty. That's exactly right. That's exactly right.
1: And for anyone listening, if you even think about something in your own life you feel anxious about, right? Oh, I'm um, maternity, you know, or I'm, I'm parental leave right now. And what's going to what's gonna be like for me when I go back to work? And what about this? And how am I going to manage the schedule? Okay, what do I know and what do I do not know, right? Just to say, what do I know? Even write it down. One of the things I know is I've managed schedules before. I'm like kind of a scheduling expert and it always seems harder in the beginning. And then I always end up figuring out what else do I know? transitions are tricky. What do I not know? I don't know who's going to manage soccer practice on Wednesday. Okay, I actually don't know that yet. Okay, I know I don't know that. When you can say to yourself, I know I don't know that, it's very empowering. You all of a sudden are back in feeling capable mode instead of feeling kind of confused or overwhelmed mode.
0: Yeah, I think that it's incredibly helpful and really provides that sturdy, safe, secure base to have that laid out in that way. And so for the parent who is struggling with their own anxieties, then it sounds like this is a lot of the same, like instead of reassuring our child of this, it's the same for us. Like you're, you're outlining the, what we know and what we don't know. It reminds me of a grounding skill, whether it's trauma or distressing emotions where we like name the statement of the day. So I am Erica and today is Friday and it is such and such time o'clock. It like orients us to our space and time, brings that certainty and that grounding Are those same skills then what moms and parents should be adopting for themselves if it's their own anxiety? Is that what you would recommend? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I look, I think, you know, there's
1: so many ways to cope with our anxiety. There's so many resources out there, there's so many free resources, there's so many, you know, single workshops. Like, that's one of my favorite ones. I'm sure you have one too. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so many things out there. It's hard to live in the information age because we're so overwhelmed by, you know, so much that it can make us always feel like not enough. The flip side is, if we know what we're looking for, like we can probably find it these days, which is, you know, pretty great.
0: Mm -hmm. And if parents are struggling, and as we think about setting them up with some tools and setting them on their way from this episode, equipped and knowing where to go as next steps, what do you have in terms of, I know you've got like a coaching community and lots of resources for them. So in what ways could they plug in with you and learn from you? Yeah,
1: so, you know, The Good Inside platform is like really this comprehensive program for parents that we created after hearing over and over that parents like all kind of wanted the same three things. They're like, I want to be able to essentially Google my parenting questions, but trust the answer I get, which doesn't exist anymore. So we created a digital library. Like you can actually picture Netflix or Peloton or whatever thing like that you want to picture. But the categories are like, Tantrums, self-care, communication, life events like transitions, sibling rivalry, reparenting, you know, deeply feeling kids. And then within there, there's different pathways, right? In addition to deeper dive workshops. And within our digital library, I think the thing I'm proudest of is we take care of like a parent's needs first and for, foremost, and then give strategies and scripts for kids. So I love our coping with anxiety workshop. I just did a triggers workshop that's in there, a setting boundaries workshop, uh, Reparenting parenting workshop that, you know, we're kind of known for. So all of those resources are there. So there's that digital library. And then we have this amazing membership community. It is thousands and thousands of global parents, like around the world. We're in over 30 countries already, which means at your 2 a.m. when you can't sleep, there's always someone awake to respond to your question. Mm-hmm. And then not only me, but we've actually manualized the good inside approach and trained parenting coaches. And so they are in the community answering questions. There's three live events a week, small ones, podcast clubs, workshops. And so there really is one place to get trusted resources, expert guidance, and community support. Mm-hmm. And that's all at goodinside.com. And people who are looking for something smaller, I love our Thursday email, like the Good Inside Thursday email. I feel like I always want to put thoughts together in a more organized way. In a little bit more thorough way than Instagram allows, so mm-hmm. and as many people know about me, I love to write. So I just you know deliver an email to your inbox on Thursdays. So uh, I think so many of us were looking to get the guidance, and like we end up going on Instagram and like buying a couple of T-shirts we don't need just because we're like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. So that mm-hmm. that won't happen <laughs> with the email, and that's
0: at goodinside.com as well. You could always sign up for that. Mm-hmm. I think you nailed something in terms of what sets you apart from other parenting pages I follow is that you're a parenting page that is so actually like parent-focused and central versus like child-centered. Like so many of them are like child-focused, change child's behavior, like child-centric, which I mean, makes sense for parenting children, but you really marry the two in such a neat and unique way. So I appreciate that about you and thank you for, for joining us today. Thank you, Erica. Wasn't that conversation with Dr. Becky so amazing? I find that the storytelling she uses and the analogies and metaphors really help me to take these theories and concepts and see myself in them and apply them. I'm so appreciative for the work that she does. If you're listening to this and you're realizing that you're really struggling with anxiety, whether it's sending your child to daycare or sending them back to school, you're not alone in this experience. Our mom therapists in our wellness center can help support you through some of these big life changes and transitions that come up. To learn more, head to happyasamother.co slash wellness. That's happyasamother.co slash wellness. I'll see you right back here. Same time, same place next week, where we are being joined by Jess Vanderweer of Our Mama Village for our third and final episode of our Back to School series. Jess is joining us to discuss all things separation anxiety and how to bridge this milestone of dropping our child off in the care of others. Whether it's daycare or school, grandparents, or even bedtime where we have to separate, Jess has some really amazing practical strategies. You do not want to miss this episode. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast to join the happy as a mother VIP list and be the first one to know about new episode drops insider info or freebies. Head to happyasamother.co slash newsletter. Until next episode, Mama, I want you to know keep showing up, you're doing an amazing job. Settling is not an option. For me. Everything I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? Because every day is for the girls hello hello welcome to for the girls podcast hosted by victoria alerio for the girls who want more listening to for the girls will have you ready to raise the bar stop settling for the bare minimum and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you you can catch a new episode of for the girls every monday across all podcast platforms until next time girls